Well, here, this is it. This is, we're here. We're, Let's go. This is Leadership Lean In. It's a podcast. And every once in a while we get friends, some of a lower caliber, no names to be mentioned, some of a higher caliber. And this is a high Eey. brow, high caliber, high level leader. Wow. All the way from Virginia today. East Coast. Thank God via the... The internet, the East Coast is in the house. I used to say East Coast. This is a little bit later. Best Coast, but it was 26 degrees this morning, so I'm rethinking my philosophy oh, on that. Oh, gosh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, that is unbelievable. I wasn't ready for that. Hey, we're entering the month of April, man. This is not okay. Like, we can't be seeing any the twos. Yes. Brother, we haven't seen the fives in a long time. Uh, like, we don't see fives. You're in twos. I need to relocate. Tammy said the same thing this morning, my wife. She said, it's April. What is this? What is happening? It's April. It's April. It's, it's April. Well, we are so privileged. We're so thrilled to have uh, you with us on the podcast. This is uh, my good friend, Pastor Daniel Floyd, representing all the way on the East Coast and has become to me someone that I really look up to, someone I really enjoy spending time with. Uh, we would have met three, four years ago, four years ago yeah, now? Yeah, about four Maybe years four. ago. Yeah. Four years ago and in a cabin in Colorado. Come on. Such a good there's time. A, there's a blog for you. In a cabin in Colorado. Colorado. Hey, great food. And uh, we almost died together in Colorado. Yes, we did. We... <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> we almost, we almost, uh, we, so we've, uh, we've been through a lot already. <laughs> we went through COVID together, <laughs> um, but just, Really appreciate who you are, you you and your wife, and uh, it was amazing getting to go out there and see your church and spend time with your staff retreat. I just have to say this because I think our listeners, I think the podcast people will love the story about you had a comedian, which we won't mention the name. You had a comedian come to your staff retreat who is so hilarious, hilarious. But the funniest part, the funniest part of this comedian was the dinner that you and I had with him before the meal when he really didn't want to be at the I don't want to say he didn't want to be at the meal. He didn't want to be talking with us at the meal. Yeah, it was the weirdest lunch, dinner, (laughs) whatever we were at. It was so odd. Like, I expected I'm going to laugh for the next hour. That's what I I thought we were getting. And uh, it was like... I was ready to go. I think you and my wife are some of the best conversationalists there is. My wife, she's up there. She's like one of the best. And she was working overtime and could get no traction. Working. Working hard. And I told you this already, but again, I will mention it for the listener in Ohio <laughs> that I, when I left, when I left the dinner, my wife elbowed me and she said, why didn't you do something? Why didn't you step in? And I told my <laughs> wife, that was Daniel's meal, man. That was on him. I, I, I I enjoyed watching them work and me feeling like I don't have to really work. I'm not entertaining. I'm not hosting this guest. And then once this comedian, I will give him credit. Once he got up, I was like, oh, that's just who he is. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes him so funny and so genius. And I'm now such an avid fan of his chops. During the show, I did laugh for an hour straight. was hilarious. (laughs) We were laughing. I mean, genuinely yeah. laughing. Like doubled over, like abs hurting, laughing. Hundred percent. Not at dinner. Though. Now, are you are you are you big into comedy? Like, would you be someone like I love comedians? 
I, I find that with a lot of preachers. Yeah. Preachers like I, I, I study comedians. I don't know if I study them. I enjoy it, but I'm not gonna go search for them. So if someone's like, "Ah, oh, this guy's really great. This girl's really great," then I'll go listen. But I'm not gonna go look for them. What about you? But like, but but you're not like buying tickets to a show. You're not gonna go like if Jim Gaffigan's in town. You're not like, "Come on, Tammy, we're gonna go see Jim." Yeah, maybe if someone gives me them. Or if, yeah, so, yeah. if someone invites I'm me. I'm the same. I'm the same. I've never been to watch a comedian live. Like, I enjoy it. Right. But it's interesting. I feel like a lot of pastors are like, yeah, I watch comedians. Like, I, I really enjoy, you know, watching their timing or their delivery. Mm-hmm. Who, who for you, Let's. this would be great. Who for you, okay, so if a lot of pastors say that about comedians, yeah. who for you were guys when you were coming up as a communicator where you're going, I really watched them and they probably shaped my communication, the art of it, wow. the delivery of it more than anyone. I, I I heard John Maxwell say years ago uh, that it takes a communicator six years to find their own voice. I agree. So it's that whole thought that, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're an echo way before you're a megaphone. So you're kind of copying yeah. someone else's preaching build or ministry mm-hmm. moment or you know outline so to speak who was it for you when you were coming up where you're like i really watch this person or these people okay so two two people that couldn't be more different andy stanley i like that and S- stephen furtick and of course bishop jakes so three people really that's so great i like well bishop jakes and stephen so similar yeah yeah kind of a similar but and that really is like someone said to me once if uh if north point were andy stanley pastors in atlanta if north point and elevation were to have a baby it would be our church <laughs> what a great compliment hey, i mean I was like, I'll can take there it. be higher praise <laughs> that's high praise but that's I love, really good praise. i love the the teaching methodical building a case that andy brings i love the where did that come from revelation passion even cadence all those things that uh that a verdict would bring or even a bishop jakes would bring and then i love the at the end it's like i never saw that coming you know it's it's the hook at the end that that just your mind gets blown um and so the mix those two really influenced how i how i communicate for sure well, I love listening to you communicate. I always feel like you're in control when you communicate, when you talk. It just feels like you're very, you, you're such a statesman hmm. and you have such a, 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 you know, it's like I always think great communicators put you at ease. Yeah, that's great. Because you, you just know they're in control and that, you know, they're, that you know, they're prepared. Mm-hmm. I, I fast, I'm fascinated with the, with the communicator that can bring that left hook at the end. Yeah. You know, uh, Louie has that. Yeah. You know, where you're at the end of a, of a message, there's this one, you know, I've been holding this card and since you guys have all put your cards down, now here's the, here's the Trump one that makes us all put our chips in and go, gosh, we lost everything. Yeah. How did you see that? I'm so not wired that way. At the end, I'm just like, can I play on your emotions and tell (laughs) you a story that's going to get you to your feet. Or, or when, I, was, I was nine years old. <laughs> or when something is said in the beginning that seems inconsequential, but then it comes back at the end and it was the point all along. I, Brilliant. I'm just like, I'm unbelievable. 
I live for those well, it moments. Just goes- I'm like, that, that's the, not to be uh, too ironic, but that's what gets me to lean in, right? Is yeah. when I'm like, oh my goodness, what did they just do? It's like, I see well, dead people and they're everywhere. I'm like. <laughs> right, 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 totally. Well, I think it's like anything. It's like, you know, uh, we're talking about getting a gift for a friend. We get to go to a birthday party and we're talking about giving this particular friend a birthday gift. And we're saying, well, we got to do really well because this person is so thoughtful with their mm-hmm. gifts. And I think that's the, you know, communication. You can really sense when it's thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You can sense when it's deliberate. How did you develop that discipline to create uh, a really thoughtful, you know, delivery, a really thoughtful message? Like, where did you come up with that? And and what do you do now currently to prepare yourself to where you feel confident to go out? I can be in control. I can deliver a good message. What do you need to do to get there for you? Yeah. So, so message and communi- any communication in a, you know, obviously we're both in the sphere of church and faith, but even outside of that, um, I look at it like this. I had a mentor say this to me once, and I thought it was just a brilliant way to think about it. They said, if if communicating and crafting a message is making a, think about it like the metaphor of making a meal. So if I'm, if I'm creating a meal and I'm cooking up something for the people, whether it be leadership or, or a message for Sunday, whatever it may be, then I need to always be stocking the pantry. And so I think that's, that's the advantage of always thinking in that mode. So I'm always stocking the pantry, like always. It, um, my kids do something crazy. I'm like, that story will work one day. I'm stuck in the pantry. Preach that. I read, yeah, I read something that. that sticks out to me. I'm going to stock that. You know, so I'm just constantly filing those things away, so to speak, stocking the pantry, so to speak, so that when it's time to go, oh, I need to speak on this topic. I need to speak on grace. I need to speak on, you know, resiliency or team building, whatever it may be. Then I've got something in the pantry to pull some ingredients out to kind of mixture, put it together. But uh, so... Now, communication has always been more art than science to me. Like, I have friends that are so disciplined, and they're like, I had a professor in college that literally on Christmas break, he said, well, fellas, I'm going to write a book this break. I was like, how do you, how do, you do that? You just sat down like, <laughs> like a Pastor Craig. I, I think he's so like, disciplined. Right. He's just like, I'm going to write something now. To me, it's more art. Like, if it doesn't, I got to feel it. I got to, like, it's got to settle in me. Um and so there is a science part to it, but it's 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 not done till it's art to me, till I've yeah. There's an emotion to it. There's there's something that I buy into in it. You know, I, I know that when I've tried to communicate and I and it hasn't it hasn't been in me. I think that people can tell. I know I can. I know I walk away not not happy, not feeling set, not feeling like I brought my very best. And so there's this art part of me. So. There's been there's been times where I've got to, you know, Saturday night before Sunday and I'm like, I have more notes than I know what to do with. And I hate all of them. (laughs) I want to throw this whole thing away because I I didn't get that. I didn't get to that place, you know, where it it settled in. And I felt like I could authentically with passion communicate it. Someone said this to me once and it was the best advice we were. It was years ago. Our church was really small. And he said. Uh, he's kind of skeptical and 
I was just so thankful he's part of the church. And he said this to me. He said, Daniel, I don't always believe what you say, but I always believe you believe it. And he that's said, great. And he said, and that's, I think, the secret to your communication. And I, thought, I love that. I thought if people have to believe, I believe it. And so whether they agree or not, they're going to know it's coming from an authentic place. That's that right. I'm not just blowing smoke, that I really believe what I'm saying. So then it, uh, I think it lands in a different way. You know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I just think over, overall, it's like only a mind can touch a mind, mm-hmm. but a spirit will touch a spirit, you know, and again, you already referenced it. There's a lot of people listening to the podcast that, you know, maybe you're not in our sphere of, of, of work, our field, but communication is that thing that, man, when a coach is in that locker room and is given that pregame speech, if he believes we can go out and beat that team whether we're St. Peter's going up against Kentucky or whoever, it's like, we're, we're, we're going to go out there and we're going to, we, we, it's, it's belief, it's confidence, which, you know, I always think leadership is that thing. People do not follow the competent person. They follow the confident person. And so much of getting up and talking is me having the confidence to go. I believe in what I'm saying. I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. Preparation brings forth freedom. I can really be myself. I can step into it. And then at the end of the day, you know, especially in our line of work, communication to me is that thing where it's like um, people know whether I'm there to serve them or not. Mm-hmm. You know, you see someone that's like really gifted and talented. And it's like they're just, I think they, they love their art or themselves so much that they're just performing to perform right. rather than performing for the audience. And yeah. I think that goes back to the greatest leaders to me are servant leaders. Absolutely. How did you get to the place where you developed? Wh- what was that process for you? Maybe it happened as a young man when you started to value and lean into becoming a servant leader. And what does that look like for you to be a servant leader? Because to me, that is the goal to mm-hmm. s- to both arrive there and stay. As You see some people exit servant leadership. Yeah. How do you stay as a servant leader? So I think... I had a great example in my dad. Um, he just, he loved people so well, cared about people. Um, he pastored most all my life and um, never, never anything large, no one would ever know his name. I don't know if more than 200 people ever attended his church, but he just, it was all about the, it was all about people. It was, you know, there's a, a verse in the scripture that I've, I'm trying to ingrain in my children, <laughs> do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, mm. but mm. in humility. I think it may be the best mm. leadership axiom. If you're not a person of faith, then take it as an axiom if you want to take it as Bible. But do nothing mm. out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others mm. better than yourself. So I think if you keep a proper perspective. So I had that example of my dad. Mm. Um, and then... I think success and failures, you know, so you learn real quick that when people feel like a cog in a wheel to accomplish your thing, um, they're not going to, they're not going to stay around for that. And so, but when they feel like, no, they're really trying to build into me. I just, I believe the principle that if you'll build other people's dreams, then your dreams will come true at the same time. That's right. Um, so I was interviewing, this is fascinating. I was interviewing, um, for a leadership talk, a one-star general. Uh, he was um, over all of OSI in the Air Force, which is a special investigation unit. And 
Then he was chief of staff for USAA, 52,000 employees. And uh, I said, Jeez. what's your leadership, leadership philosophy? And he said, people first, mission always. People first, mission wow. always. I said, unpack that for me. He said, I just found that if I would always keep people first, they would tackle any mission no matter how difficult it was. He said, so every assignment I went into, everything that I was put over, every command I have, even it, when I went into the corporate sphere at USAA, he said, I just made it my mission that the people that were around me, I put them first, and then we would accomplish any mission that, that we needed to accomplish. And so um, here's, I think, what you said about how do you keep that then? How do you keep that at the center? That's it. Um, I, think, I think gratitude is the thing, and, and I think gratitude is what leads you to humility. So I think humility is the piece. I think people are attracted to humility. I, I think humility attracts great leaders around you. And gratitude gets you to humility. So because gratitude causes you to stop and go, all right, where I'm at right now in life, I, I'm not this good. Like, mm. I, my, I know for myself where I'm at, like my <laughs> right. intellect, my resources, my, right. my talents, I'm not this good. I know, you know, for us, God got me here um, and God prospered me in this way. And so that creates humility and humility goes, okay, this isn't about me. This isn't circled around me. I'm living my life for the benefit of others. Um, I heard the other day that the, the Hebrew metaphor for prosperity is this, is that, is that you had a natural limit and prosperity is when God puts his hand on your back and pushes you beyond your natural wow. limit. Wow. Beautiful. And so I, I look all around at my life and go, man, there's so many areas where God put his hand and like, I, should not, I shouldn't be in this room. I shouldn't be leading this thing. I shouldn't be on this That's podcast. Right. You know, so many areas I look and go, I shouldn't hmm. be. And so I think that produces humility to answer your question. Humility, I think, keeps you making life not about you, you know, about others. And I think you're so right. Servant leadership, greatest leader, obviously Jesus that ever lived three years in three years, created a movement that lasts thousands of years, crazy millions of billions of people. And, he, and, and in his last hours, he's going, you guys call me the master, right? I'm the boss. And mm -hmm. they're like, we, yeah. And okay, well, if I wash feet, then, then you go do the same. I think the, the, you know, there's a moment for most leaders where we all realize, we humble ourselves and realize the only way for me to be effective is to serve. You know, it's yeah. like the old saying, the gateway into greatness is through the servant's gates. We understand it's that. True. But a haughty spirit or a proudful spirit, it's like that. Mm -hmm. the thing that you will battle the rest of your life is ego. And yeah. we all have pride. We all are proud people and we... You know, you, you, and you battle that thing and how, what, what causes a person to stay in the place of humility? What is the key ingredients you need to cook into your life to stay grateful? Cause the moment you lose those two things, I couldn't agree more. Those go out the window and then you become, I think the arrows of your heart go inward and you mm. start looking around who's serving me, who's taking care of me. And we yeah. start looking for people to be loyal rather than, than we're loyal. It's like friendship. Right. Who's my friend rather than my friend? And mm -hmm. that becomes tricky. I want to I want to go to another subject. When thinking about this, um, we're recording this on the Tuesday after the slap heard round the world. 
And I could not stop. I mean, I've just, I've been in such a deep dive. I can't stop all day yesterday, all Sunday night, just watching so many, so many opinions. I mean, you can't find a topic that has had so many different sides to the opinion. I can't think of another scenario that has landed this globally that has been such a polarizing take. So you have some people that are like, I've never seen memes created so fast. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. There may be a world record. I saw a guy yesterday morning who had already rewritten the the song in West Philadelphia, born and raised. He had already rewritten the whole song with the slap in it. And I'm like, guys, this is just hours late anyway. (laughs) But um, I always think like, so, you know, uh, Will has this moment who I have adored my whole life. And Mm -hmm. um, clearly this is a snap. And clearly, you know, like in leadership, this is not the issue. This Mm -hmm. is a symptom of the issue. Yeah. And this is just a tipping point. Because as the camera showed us, he laughed when he heard the Mm -hmm. joke. And then he saw his wife's face. And those seconds thereafter, you know, he was quickly on stage. I always think, you know, as a leader, I'm looking for signs of life. Like the for a biblical reference, like Zacchaeus is who's in the tree looking to become mm-hmm. a leader, who wants to get involved. I'm looking for signs of life, yeah. but I'm also looking for signs of death. Like who's toxic, who's cancerous, who's gone negative, who's gone sideways. Mm-hmm. Like there's signs of life and death. How are you as a leader? You lead a massive church. You have hundreds of staff. How are you? What do you do? What's set up in your leadership? For you, because it can't just be natural. I think some of this has to be systematic. What do yeah. you do within your organization to go, this is what tells me there's life, and this is how I know something is wrong? Yeah. So I love this conversation. I just um, read a book, <clears throat> and and I, th- I, think it'll, I think it'll answer this. And I think when you look at, obviously not all of us are walking up on a stage at the Oscars, but there, there's a... There's a um, there's a little bit of self-sabotaging that took place. There, there's something that, that snapped and people are like, yeah, everybody has a bad moment and that's true, but uh, what leads up to that moment? And so I read this book about how people sabotage themselves and what we just talked about, number one, they said the number one step is ego or altruism or this belief that life is about me. And that leads to number two, which this doesn't sound so maybe spiritual or complicated or important, but number two was life mismanagement. And so, so we can get down this place of negativity or we can get down this place where we're on the edge of saying things and outbursts at our spouse or saying things to our kids or, or fracturing friendships or relationships or or blowing up in our work environment and, and being the guy that everybody's like, well, that's just how he is. And we can get there and it's, it's, it's little incremental steps like life mismanagement. So in our organization, I look for that. Like, are, are there team members that are, that are beginning to mismanage their life? And it's little things. It's like, yeah, last night I, I, I couldn't stop binging this show on Netflix and I was up till two. Okay, well, if you were up till two, then you had to get up for work, then you lack sleep, then 
scientifically your body didn't get enough oxygen to the brain so you're not going to be making good decisions today because you're going to be in a bit of a fog no matter how much caffeine you have and that you know what i mean and then these little these Life little cycles yeah these little cycles begin to happen um and the guy said the next thing this is interesting kind of off off topic but i think it's interesting is that life mismanagement leads to indulgences mm. and we begin to tell ourselves this is a lie we tell ourselves um, no one understands the weight i carry and so i deserve this and it's it's that that the hook which is in. which is what will was saying truly yeah yeah no one understands what we're at the pressure i deserve this moment i deserve this outburst um, and obviously he came back around and apologized and all those kind of things, which was great. But, um, but I, I look for those little things, uh, yeah. the, those little off, little off things there, not, not to like judge people, but just to go, Hey, let's, you need course correct. If you don't course correct this, you know, it, it's I'm going to turn Coast. into something. So if I fly out to, you know, see you. And the pilot is like, hey, sorry, we ended up in San Francisco because we were one degree off when we left Washington. Well, it was only one degree in Washington, but now right. I'm in San Francisco and not Los Angeles. Right. And right. I think the same thing is so true in our lives. Like we're one yep. degree off in a discipline. We're one degree off in wow. a relationship that we opened the door to negativity or to bitterness or you know, and it's like, ah, it's just this one little thing. But then that one degree over time, compounding interest works for you and against you, you know, man. And so if it compounds over time, then we find ourselves like, ah, I'm in a place I don't really want to be. And now I'm on the Oscar stage slapping somebody. So, so interesting. So, uh, you know, it was, I, I, my heart was racing. I was thinking a million things. I was so disheartened. I was so interested in Tyler Perry and Denzel and Bradley Cooper coming around and I couldn't get enough photos. And I just was really enthralled in it because, um, you know, we just, this guy has become, he's, he was our, our, our childhood hero, you know, oh, Fresh yeah. Prince and, you know, all those movies and this guy who's gregarious and larger than life and getting jiggy with it. And, just the two of us and i i had a, a sympathy and compassion i i clearly understood right away this is not about chris rock and it's not a the, mm -hmm. the joke although you know obviously he touched a, a sensitive spot was not an aggressively you know how dare he make that joke uh mm -hmm. as you know we know chris rock could have said some other colorful things it, <laughs> right. it, it was it, but it, but it was it was all the, and i was i just look at like leadership and go like i'm always looking for signs of like hey this is a ticking time bomb here we've got to get in and mm -hmm. deal with this it, you know like it's that old saying opportunities of a lifetime must be ceased within the lifetime of the opportunity you've got to there's a window here and i've got to really get in that and I got to, you know, the, even the Bible would teach us in Ecclesiastes as a parent, unless the sentence against an evil deed is executed quickly, therefore the hearts of the sons of men are given over to do evil. What, what the Bible's teaching mm -hmm. as a principle of life, unless I deal with my children quickly, their hearts could potentially be given over to do crazier things. So we've got, That's there's great. a timely manner, there's a discernment there. How do you look for signs of life? Because I, I, you know... In our world, you know, uh, I don't know what how many months you guys were shut down, but we didn't have church on a Sunday morning for 17 months. And then you come back and it's clearly not what you used to have. 
um, mm -hmm. and you're kind of building back and you're kind of waiting for signs of life. And I think leadership is about developing the right metrics. Doesn't matter how many, just mm -hmm. the right metrics. Metrics for our our uh, work of uh, our field of work. It would be like, okay, how many volunteers? Okay, is anybody saying yes? Is anybody getting baptized? How are the small groups going? Like we develop all kinds of metrics. And so there's things that help us measure, you know, signs of life. Wh what are you looking for within what you lead that go, I know we've got life when I see this, when I feel this, I hear this. Yeah, I, I think, so this may be a little simplistic. I look at what's the joy level? Like just the joy in the person. I, I think that's why I love being around you so much is um, I'm sure you have your days, but I've never been around you when I wasn't just like, man, there's just joy. Like Thank you. there's joy, there's life, there's it's life giving. It's about others focused. Um, it, it's to me, I, it's more narrative than it is metrics. Obviously, we have all the metrics, the how many, what percentage of weekend attendance is this? And you know, all those, but it's, it's really more narrative driven. Like, um, so I'm, I'm asking a lot of, uh, tell me a good story. Tell me what's happening. Tell me, uh, tell me someone's life change. Tell me, you know what I mean? So I'm just wanting, where's that narrative? And then is there a thread in there that I can pull on and, and, and get more stories? And, and is there a thread in there that I, I end the story? I go, Oh, that's good or, oh, that that's a little concerning to me. Um, and so for me, I think, I think listening deeply, like I love, I'm, I love asking questions and, and listening deeply into the stories, the stories of people. So it's not necessarily like a, a report that I can get on an Excel spreadsheet, which it requires you to be a leader that, that is kind of, is among your people. You know, you can't, you can't right. live up in some ivory tower or be right. so out far in front. You do have to be in front, but you can't be so far out in front of your people that um, that you're not hearing what is say what is said. Mm. You know that you're not you're not listening to the stories that you're not drawing them, pulling them out of people. Um, and so I'm I'm looking for is there joy? Yep. Is there is there ease? Mm. Like I think when you're walking and calling, and I don't think calling is just a a spiritual thing, although it is, there is, you know, calling within the church to do what we do. You know, we do what we do because we feel like that God called us into this. Um, but I know teachers that feel called to teach. Um, I read a report once at Southwest Airlines that over 70% of their employees feel called to Southwest Airlines. So, um, but I think when you're walking and calling mm. and you're confident in, in calling, um, so I'm listening for those things. Are, are, are people, are they, is there joy in the calling? Is there, is there life in it? Are they, are they at ease? I don't think it's easy. No. But I think when you're walking and calling, there comes an ease to it. There's right. a, there's a flow, there's a rhythm. It's not, it's not always, you know, stress and strain and I'm doing what I'm, you know, people are like, I'm doing what I'm called to do. Like you're miserable. I'm like, man, if you're so miserable, like do something else, you know. Do but, something <laughs> else, man. Yeah. Is there a is there an ease to it? So I, I love think that. Those That's such a great I'm answer. And that, looking for that, that, you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about people that just are able to do that. It's not. It's never easy. 
you know, th here's the reality. I, I think Bishop Jakes was the one that said this. Right, right now, all of your heroes are getting punched in the face. So nothing, mm -hmm. nothing's easy. But when you are in your grace or you are doing what you're supposed to be doing or you're in your calling, what, you know, whatever term you want to use there, there's a levity. There is. There just is a natural grace. Yeah. You could be in the worst situation, worst storm, going through trauma, yeah. going through conflict, going through whatever, and there's still a grace and there's still a, yeah. a, a little bit of a laughter and a light spirit and the narrative still stands correct. You know, I think that you know, if I look at a biblical example of that, I, I, I see that in Joseph. The narrative has not been hijacked by a circumstance. And to me, yeah. that's a great leader. I want to talk to you about crisis because I feel like you would have some good thoughts on this. You know, there's a lot of leaders that have faced crisis, a lot of things that, you know, uh, obviously the PR team for Will Smith was in a crisis on Sunday night and Monday morning. <laughs> there's a lot of PR teams that are facing crisis. There's a lot of people that are in crisis. I don't know if you guys have, if you've had to lead through crisis. I, we all did uh, in, in multiple pandemics in 2020, 2021, you know, a health pandemic, a race pandemic, a political pandemic, you know, there, there, so we've all had to lead through hard times. What are some thoughts mm -hmm. that come to mind about leading through crisis, leading in crisis? What are some things you pulled out, maybe even out of COVID that you go, I recognize that during and in crisis, I need to be this kind of leader. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind is, well, by the way, those four pandemics, I heard you say that once. And so I've used it ever since and I'm never getting you credit. So for everybody that's heard me say it, it came from Chad Beach right there. Just needed to give you credit. <laughs> it's just a part, it's just a part of being a pastor. It's like, I hear stuff. I say stuff freely. I have received hey, freely. Got, I give It's a free thing. Hey, it ended up in my pantry. And when I needed it, I pulled it out. That's right. It was like, let's go to the talk center. <laughs> it's true. It's been, hey, God gave you eyes, um, plagiarize. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think, so a couple of things I learned through a pandemic. One it is crisis is the great revealer. Man, it exposes, it exposes the good, it exposes the bad. Um, and it really did that for us. It exposed where we had a whole lot of strengths as an organization, as a team. And it also exposed where there was not a lot of strength um, in the organization and the team, which was a gift at the end of the day, yeah. really, as much as you don't want to, you know, but Jim Collins, the, you know, the famous phrase, uh, face the facts without losing heart, right? That's right. Um, and you can't face the facts till they're exposed. So crisis was a great revealer. What I learned in that was, um, is that when you lead through crisis, as go the leader, so goes the team. Mm. So I had to, when, when there was so much chaos around us, I felt like I had to, I had to get, I could not let chaos get in me. Mm. There was the health pandemic. We got to shut down. What's that going to do this? You know, I got to stay on mask or not. I mean, and all, you know, all the things that could divide us, I, I realize I've got to be steady and stable. I think people need a, they're looking in the middle of all the ground shaking. They're looking for something that's stable and they need a leader to look to that is steady and stable. That's consistent. That's that is, that is positive. That is, uh, you know, as we would say, is full of faith. We're going to get through this. Um, 
we will come out on the other side better and stronger. So I think that was a big learning point for me was steady, stable, consistent. I'm going to be here every day. I'm not going anywhere, showing up every day, be the same person I am. I'm not losing my mind. I'm not swinging left or right. I'm not going to extremes. I'm not freaking out. Steady, stable, consistent. The other thing was extreme clarity. Yep. I think in a crisis, you cannot over-communicate. Nope. And you have to be extremely clear, almost to the point where you feel redundant. I think that's the way vision works, though. When you're just tired of saying it, people are starting to get it. <laughs> that's but the truth. I learned in the, in the crisis, I had to be so clear. Hmm. And not only clear, not only communication that was clear, but communication that was consistent. So I communicated more to our church during the crisis and the pandemic, especially in 2020 and into the beginning of 2021 than I ever would in a normal year. Wow. I mean, you know, during the week, just staying in front, like reassuring, encouraging. Here we are. Here's what we're doing. Here's the focus. Here's clarity. Here's the three things, you know, we... The, the day we had to shut down, I think it was at March 15th or somewhere around there for us in Virginia. Um, the next day, I pulled the team together and goes, said, all of us are pivoting to three things, and that's what we're going to do. These three things, very clear. Everybody's on these teams. We're going to reorganize around these three things. And then just I love that. You know, keeping that. So I think those two things, steady, stable leader. You can't, you can't lose... You, you can't. You don't get the privilege. Right. Everybody else can if they want. You don't have the privilege of losing your mind. That's right. You've got to stay steady. And I'm, and and I'm watching, you know, clarity. you watch crisis and you watch people mismanage it. You watch people that, you mm-hmm. know, I, I think um, one of the biggest takeaways for me was you're already hitting on it, but being visible. You need to be visible. You need to be out front. And yet sometimes mm-hmm. in crisis, you it, it doesn't um, demand the response that you think it does or that even people at a lower level would say, you need to give a response for this. What are you, how are you going to respond to that? I, it just it, There's just such a demand in crisis. And I think, so number one, I would say, you know, I agree with everything you said. You, you need to be give clarity, great communication, be visible, um, only respond to what's essential. What has to be said? That's great. Like Will Smith had to say something. He had to. He yeah. can't avoid that. You know, he's not getting he's not getting criticized over little things. He threw the first mm-hmm. punch, pretty much. You know what I mean? Like, or he reacted yeah. poorly. We could say that. So you 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 need to respond when it demands a response. Not everything demands a response. And I find that a lower level leader will always think small things deserve response. They don't. Mm-hmm. And you got to discern with that. But I think the other thing in crisis is like there is so much wisdom out there and none of us are good at making decisions on our own. We need Absolutely. wisdom. We need counselors. We need, that's why I always think like I need brothers in the faith, but I also need fathers. And so in leadership, mm-hmm. what is that? You need peer to peer 
people that they also have a small business, they also lead a corporate, uh, an organization or whatever, but you need people that have, maybe are retired, have gone before you and they can speak the yeah. voice. I remember in 72, we faced this. I remember in 86, I remember when this happened in 94 and it's like, wow, what did you do? How did you handle that? It's not the exact same circumstance, but there's similar fragrance similar aura that they're going to give you wisdom and they go, you know, I did this, but where I really made a mistake, you know, it helped me the most running this marathon. We talked earlier before we press record about, I just did the LA marathon. I never stopped. Not one time. They said, go. I ran 26.2 miles. You know, as I'm running and maybe grabs the water, half of it gets in my mouth, half of it's on my shirt. (laughs) <laughs> mile i think 13 there's some packets you know that they give you like they gave me two packets with the like little you know just a little boost of energy but i didn't stop mm-hmm. because one of my friends the great danny white shout out to danny my good friend danny white he told me he ran the la marathon and he made the mistake at mile 14 he stopped and talked to a co-worker that came to encourage him and then the stop was a little bit too long and when he tried to get back running again, his body had already said, no, I think that was enough. And he said, the biggest mistake was that I stopped. So I had that in my head. I never stopped the whole time. 26.2 miles, I just ran. I felt like Forrest Gump. I kept running. But my point (laughs) is, is that I received wisdom and I was able to Mm -hmm. apply his knowledge. And I think in crisis, you can't get enough of the right advice, the right voices. Absolutely. I love what you said there, because I think too many leaders, two points, too many leaders, and I told our team this, I said the news feed and the headlines are not going to drive what we respond to. I said, we'll be sending out videos every day. We'll be making posts every single day. We're not going to do that. If it demands it, we'll discern it. You said that you kind of, you said it quickly. I think it's worth parking on for a minute. We'll discern it. Is it right for us? Does our organization, does our church, does our team need to address that? Um, And then the, you know, the proverb would be in a multitude of counselors, there's wisdom, right? And I tell you one of the best things that gave me perspective and helped me stay steady um, was an older leader in my life said, quit using the word unprecedented. This pandemic is not unprecedented. <laughs> there have been worse pandemics on. in the history of the world. And it just, it really, from my mindset, helped me go, okay, the world's been through this. Yeah. Like, world's history ha- is coming back around. We've been through this before this isn't the end of life is and so it just kind of gave me a great perspective but you're so right because if not you'll get so myopic, so myopic you'll get so narrow focused and you'll if you don't get if you don't get wisdom above Man. you you run the risk of peers creating an echo chamber That's exactly for you. right and you're just telling each other and feeding the same thing and you need a father you need a mother that'll go hold on son let me let me broaden your your reach, your look a little bit. That's so important, man. That's man, so that's so important. And I, and I think you know, even with my peers, I can uh, hijack the narrative to kind of spoon feed them to give me what I want to hear back because they love me. Mm-hmm. They, they, they yeah. the, your peers love you. 
fathers are kind of like, man, I can recognize a knucklehead. I can, I can recognize, <laughs> you know, a little bit of a bratty <laughs> attitude here. And I don't have, yeah. they're not impressed, they're not impressed with, with, you. with you. They already seen it. They already know, you know, like, that's why I wanted to ask you this. Maybe we can close with this question. I wanted to ask you who's winning in your opinion, who are the winners? Because I think, you know, we, we, we have to define what winning looks like. I, I love mm. this season that we're in because it feels like anything that was under the surface, you know, we, we say this sometimes because I think it's just a, a good thing to hold on to. What gets revealed has to get healed. So a lot of times God loves us so much that he reveals things, not to say, look what you did, you little jerk, like the uncle from Home Alone but to heal things, deliver things, free things. So all this stuff has come to the surface. Okay, that's fine. We all have stuff. We all have things. Yeah. My question is who's winning? Who, in your opinion, you go, this guy or this gal or this couple, this is a kind of leader, in my opinion, no matter what anybody says, this leader's winning. All right, just not not just because I'm on the lean in. <laughs> I think you and Julia Stop. are winning. I'm serious. Incredible couple. And here's why, like when I observe your life and the times we get to hang out and then just from a distance, like um, priorities, family matters, um, willing, teachable spirit. That's the thing, right? When something gets revealed, mm. The people that are winning are the people that go, they, when the light gets shown on you, the people that are winning go, I'm going to correct that. Right. The Bible calls the people that shine the light the other way and say, it's not me, calls that's them right. a fool. That's exactly right. And that's strong, strong language. And so I think here's what I'm, I'm worried about and not worried about like I'm wanting in my life. I don't want to just have success. That's great and I've had a measure of that, I want to sustain my success. And we talk a lot about how to get successful, but how do I sustain it? And I think the people that are winning is the people that I can look at and go, I think they're, they're, they're sustaining. They, they care, their family, they've got the right priorities. You know, they've got the discipline. Discipline is simply the prior, the ability to manage the priorities you've already preset mm. in your life. So they got, not only do they have the right priorities, they've got the discipline to manage those right priorities. You know, when it comes to their marriage, comes to their family, comes to their personal integrity, comes to their calling. Um, and honestly, don't just say that because I'm on, on the pod with you, but like, I see that in your life. I, I, I look around and especially like in a peer setting, this generation, I, I go, that's a couple people should be looking at and, and emulating because it's it's not just about success it's about sustaining success and about um this contentment with what you said earlier the grace god has given you and i think also not just the grace for the calling um but and this took me a long time chad honestly to get is to be content with the portion wow that god has wow. given me what what do you mean by doesn't that doesn't mean i don't doesn't mean I don't have a drive for yeah. more. Doesn't mean I don't have a drive to succeed. Doesn't mean there's not drive for I want it to grow larger. I want more campuses, you know, all the things. Doesn't mean that's not there. But there's a contentment inside of me to go, 
all right, if 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 my portion, if what God has has entrusted to me right now is what he has for me, then I'm gonna be content with that. Doesn't mean I don't want more. Yeah, Does yeah, that make totally. sense? Like and uh and because I think when I'm not content with my portion, which it's the church, which are people, then I'm overlooking the people God's given to me to go get the people that aren't That's here. That's exactly yet. right. And I do want to reach more people, and I, but I don't want to overlook the gifts that are in front of me right now. I mean, if 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 preaching to an empty room for week after week after week, right? You know, didn't teach right. me anything. It, it taught me that man, what, what a, a gift. gift! Every person that God entrusts me to serve, what a gift! Every and how precious. That's they exactly are. right. And I think you already you already touched on yeah. it earlier, but it's that it's that gratitude and humility thing. I always think, you know, one of my favorite guys to listen to is a guy named Colin Coward. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a sportscaster, but he's just got great analogies, great illustrations. He's a real, he's, to me, he's a preacher. He uses sports, but he's given life lessons. And he talks about the inner scoreboard versus the outer scoreboard. And I like that language that to me, yeah. a weak leader that will never win is focused on the outer scoreboard because that is appearance that it that's that's yep. the standards of the world so to speak that's going cars money following power mm-hmm. all the stuff that you know the world says will make you happy if you have these things you'll be content yeah. and how many times have we heard the age old adage that those things can't buy happiness they just it just can't it never will but where does real success who is winning it's inner scoreboard stuff it's 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 identity yeah. it's confidence it's i don't like self love but i love myself i love my grace i love my sphere of influence yeah. i love my city i love my family i'm not jealous of other people's giftings or other people's lot other people's mm-hmm. you know power I, I i get really scared i get really to me you know and probably this is a a thing that would keep me away from acting a certain way is I just never want to be perceived as reaching for something. You know, he's, he's yeah. reaching for that. And we see, we've been around leaders that are trying to get in with or snug, you know, yeah. and to me, it's never, it's all self-serving. It's all for, to help yeah. my scoreboard. And that stuff, playing by that set of rules is a dangerous place because you never end up winning. Winning starts mm-hmm. in your, it, it, it's like God is such a God of order. It starts in my heart and my, my, my life. And then it ends up in my home and then in what I lead. But I, I, I just, yeah. I, I find that when I'm around you, why I'm drawn to you, same thing. You, you know, you're saying that about me, but what I'm drawn to you is you're secure. You're confident. You, you're, you affirm others. You, you don't come into the room and make it about you. You, you know, there's just a posture of learning. There's all those things that you, you, you know, you were so kind to say about me. That's why, you know, I'm drawn to be around you is I see that student in you. I see that confidence. I see that empowerment in you. And that's why I would say you, you're winning and, and your sphere continues to grow in influence because it's to me, you're, you've, you've somehow been able to wrestle ego. Yeah, that's really kind. And, uh, but I, it's so important. I think this is so such an important thing because 
there are things about us as a leader, like we're, we're in this forever process of self-development. If we ever think that right. we're not growing ourselves, then our organization will stop growing, our everything will stop growing. And it's so important because of this thought, what gets in the head gets mm. in the body. Mm. So it's true for a church. It's true for wow. if you're the wow. CEO, if you're the manager of a team, wow. if you're leading a volunteer team at a campus, at a church. Like what gets in the head of that, that, Great. that team or that organization or that corporation, whatever gets in the head gets wow. into the body. So you can't have humility at the front door if there's not humility in the corner office. And if there's arrogance and pride and I'm going to step over you to get what I want and it is all about the outer scoreboard, then man, don't don't be surprised when you've got piranhas in That's the right. cubicles that are just eating each other alive because what gets in the head gets in the body. And so as a leader, uh, leadership is stewardship. And so we have a massive stewardship to go, I've got to keep, I've got to keep me in check because what I say, what I do, you know, it bleeds whether I want it to right. or not, whether I ever say it in a speech, whatever I shared in all staff, what's on me gets into the organization. That's so it's like, that's so good. I'm, it just bleeds I've never out. heard so that. I think this is, so I've never critical. heard that. And I am stealing it. That is fantastic. <laughs> what gets in the head gets in the body. That is a great one. And, and so true. So true. You know, yeah. you teach what you know, you reproduce who you are. That's just the bottom line. And that is that That's is so truth. good. Well, I, I appreciate you so much. And I'm so excited because you are. It's not launched yet. You're releasing a leadership podcast. Yes. April 26th. What's the name of it? April 26th. Daniel Floyd Let's Leadership go. Podcast. And the focus is helping leader, inspiring leaders That's to become so more. awesome. Because if you're building but not becoming, then eventually what you wow. build will fall apart. So we're going to talk a lot about That's what so we're good. becoming. Well, I know it'll be a tremendous success. I know it'll help so many people. And, you know, for us, the leaners that are listening, the the community of Leadership Lean In, we, we, we're the same. We're just leaning in to get a little bit better. So we're leaning in. We leaned in today to your voice, your wisdom, your experience, and I know that we're better. We got today. Wanster, did we get a little bit better? Yeah. The Wanster cannot be seen. We hide him behind cameras, uh, but he <laughs> is uh, he's fantastic. Uh, hey, okay. I have a confession. I'm a leaner. I listen, My subscribe. God. You're the best. I'm on it. Thanks for letting me be a part You're of best. your community. I, I really you know, to it. me, is the, the reason why I was so excited to have you on today is I, I know that you and I are the same, that we love the subject of leadership. And that's why I couldn't wait to talk yes. to you because it just, when we get together and talk, we talk about leadership. So yep. uh, that will happen again on it. a golf course soon. In, in yes, Jesus' name, in, in July. In July <laughs> here in Virginia. Let's go, baby. I can't wait. Well, give give our love good. to Tammy and the whole crew. And can't, I, I hope I get to see you before July, but we, we appreciate you so much. 